Welcome back to Investing Experts Podcast. Happy to have Avi Gilbert back on the show discussing Elliott Wave and technical analysis. He was on back in May explaining that theory in depth. So if you want to deep dive into the theories behind the analysis, check out that episode from the beginning of May. Avi runs the Market Pinball Wizard Investing Group here on Seeking Alpha. Today we get into the markets, projections for the market, how investors should be thinking about it, technical analysis and charts, the spy, and everything else you may want to know about investing in the stock market these days. Avi Gilbert, it's always great to have you here on Seeking Alpha. Great to have you back on Investing Experts podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me back. It's great to have you. You were on back in May talking to Daniel Snyder. You run the investing group Market Pinball Wizard. I don't think anyone following Seeking Alpha or the markets really at all don't know who you are. Um, and for those wanting a deeper dive into Elliott Wave analysis and, and your strategies there, I would definitely seek out that first episode. But I'd love it if you would catch listeners up. Last time you were on, you were telling us that you thought that investors should be raising cash long term. Is that more or less what you're talking to subscribers about now? Or how are you looking at things? Well, again, it all depends on time frame that we're talking about. Um, I think when I was speaking with Daniel in May, we were still looking for another push higher north of 4,300. And I said, once that rally completes over 4,300 and we get a pullback, the nature of that pullback is going to tell us a lot as to whether or not we can go back up to the, the, the you know new market all-time highs or if the all-time high is already in place and we can set up another market crash later this year or into early 2024. So uh, that's really, I'm still of the same opinion, but if you take one step back by one more degree, even if we go to new all-time highs, my expectation is once we have an all-time high set in place, whether it's in place now and we get confirmation in the coming months, or if we get we can push up towards the 5,000 plus region and then get that all-time high set in place, I'm expecting what could be anywhere from uh, an 11-year to a 21-year bear market. So to answer your question in the bigger degree, yes, I think people should start considering raising cash if they haven't and start looking out over the next decade or so because there is strong potential for a major bear market to begin if it has not already begun. I was going to say, do you think it's already begun? I, you know, like like I said, I'm not sure. I, I, I've been very, I've been very very uh, torn. When we when we broke down below four thousand on the S and P in 2022, that did surprise me. I did. I, I was expecting a top at the end of 2021, and I was expecting a larger degree pullback into 2022. At the time, I did not expect we were going to break down below 4,000. But uh, you know, we got our subscribers raising cash of 4,800 and 4,600, and then we got back in around 3,500 on the S&P. But because we dropped as deep as 3,500, it left me torn. The high that we struck at the end of 2021 really did not count well as a completed long-term top. Yet, 
if we really were going to see higher highs from a higher probability standpoint, we really should not have broken down below 4,000. So I'm kind of torn still. I don't have a completed top in place so or open for one more push higher. And a lot of it's going to depend on how the market reacts over the next, I'd say over the next two months or so. Once I see how the market pulls back in the next month or two, that's going to tell me, well, are we going to continue with positive sentiment pushing us up to new highs or is the all-time high in place for quite some time? I can't tell you what the news is going to be or how people are necessarily going to react one way or another to the news. I can just tell you what I see in the market. I basically base my entire perspective on market sentiment. Um, exogenous events, exogenous actions really do not have as much effect on market movements as most people believe. And I, I've provided, I mean, I've written uh, countless articles um, showing time and time again People maintain a certain expectation about what the market is going to do based upon some exogenous event, and they're often, oftentimes proven wrong. The best example I can come up with of late uh, was back in October of 2022. You know, everybody and their mother was saying that if the if the uh, CPI report comes in uh, much much higher than expected, then the uh, the market is just going to keep tanking lower and lower. And people were saying, you know, we're going to go to 3,300, 3,200 if we get a high, a higher than expected CPI. Well, the market got a higher than expected than CPI and then rallied 6% off the low that day. And that surprised almost everybody except our subscribers. We were actually calling for a low literally that morning, right after the CPI report was published. I sent out an alert to all our subscribers saying, guys, this is the final spike that's going to set the low. Prepare that we're going to get that big rally to 4,300 plus starting likely from right here. And that's exactly what happened. So trying to follow these exogenous events, you know, and I always say these exogenous events can act as a catalyst. For example, a news event or a Fed announcement can act as a catalyst. But what history has taught us, if you look at market history very carefully, the substance of that news event or catalyst does not always determine the direction of the market. Yeah. We just had courage and conviction investing on and for different reasons, but he was talking about why he doesn't, um, you know, put a lot of stock in following the macro picture because even the people that are super well-trained for that don't typically predict it with, you know, a, a high degree of certainty and to bring value to investing, you have to find where you get the edge. And obviously, with you, it's 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 the type of analysis you're bringing to the marketplace. Are there certain uh, stocks that you look at in terms of not to do with sentiment, not to do with strategy, but you just find them interesting? Does that does that ever happen? Not really. We're 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 very very pure to our methodology, and uh, what I've learned through the years is. When I divert from my methodology or if I look at a, at a chart based upon the analysis and the analysis is saying one thing and I look at the chart and I say, there's no way that's going to happen. I've always I, I've learned through the years not to do that, because um, if I put if I try to impose my beliefs or my bias onto a chart, that's where I will often get in trouble. Rather, I, I like to look at charts from an as objective perspective as possible so that I don't get caught by any surprises. Uh, so ultimately, we're very, very true to our methodology 
And through the decades, it, it really has paid dividends, no pun intended, but it has pay, paid dividends for, uh, for our ability to be able to stay profitable. Our main stock analysis is really done by our StockWaves team. Um, our StockWaves team is you know, Garrett Patton, Zach Manis, Lynn Alden, and we have a couple of other analysts that also uh, help help them as well, that support them. So we have a team of about five, six people who do our StockWaves analysis, and they're the ones that handle all the individual stocks. Um, in Market Pinball Wizard, we mainly focus on you know, the overall broad market, the overall metals market, oil uh, through the USO, we, we review the dollar, um, bond market through TLT and so on and so forth. I mean, I'll, I'll throw out ideas to our members, you know, every now and then when I, you know, when I see something that I really, really, you know, that really, really catches my eye, for example, you know, back in, uh, when was it? Let me take a quick peek at my chart and I'll tell you. The end of 2022, um, I, was, I was saying to our subscribers as an example, I'm looking for Tesla to come down to about 100. I'm looking for it to double from there, pull back, and then rally back up to, ideally, I was looking for about the 265, 270 region. And you know, thus far, it, it really has played out almost exactly. We did the same thing with Meta, for example. Um, Meta, I was looking pretty much the same thing. Uh, Meta, we were looking for a drop down to also, Meta, we were looking for a drop down to 90, actually. And we were looking for an initial move to 200 on Meta, pullback, and then a move back up towards about 270 as well. So really pretty similar on Meta as well. So every now and then we'll come up with some of these really amazing opportunities that pop up. But most of the analysis is really done in our StockWaves team. Got it. So talk to us about the, uh, let's start with the metals market, if you would, and, and what you're seeing uh, on the charts right now. Well, we are now tracking that could provide for a major melt-up across the uh, across the market, um, and uh, you know we're 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 on the cusp of seeing if we can develop that over the next couple of weeks. But the setup has definitely not perfected yet. Ultimately, I think the metals are going to see a very very sizable rally um, over the next year or two. Uh, but I'm waiting for the for the, the particular setup I'm looking for that'll that'll trigger the melt-up I want to see. Meltup is basically where the market just goes straight up. And from an Elliott wave standpoint, we look for five wave structures and we ideally we look for a third wave to trade. Why a third wave? Because a third wave is usually the strongest segment of any market rally that you will find. So what we're always looking for is trading the third waves. It usually has the strongest movement, the fastest movement. You make the most money in the shortest amount of time during a third wave. And right now we're trying to track uh, a third wave setup in the metals market. And how are you looking at miners as opposed to the metals themselves? Miners are setting up pretty much the same, but when, when we're dealing with, when I say the miners, I'm most specifically speaking of GDX. Okay. The individual miners really vary. Um, and I'll, I'll give you one example. Let me pull up my chart on Numan. That's probably the best example I can give you. Uh, back in 2015, we actually, because we, uh, for, the, for those that followed me over the last decade or so, 
you may probably know that I we, we called the top in the uh, in the metals market for gold to hit the top 1915 or 1916. I forgot exactly the number we called for back in 2011. And at the time, I remember everybody was freaking out, saying 2000 is not we're not even talking about 2000. How much farther past 2000 are we going to go was the big question. And we were saying, yeah, we think it's going to top at 1915. Gold topped at 1921 and entered a multi-year correction. Um, when we started seeing that correction ending, we rolled out a mining service over at Elliott Wave Trader, our, our first platform. And uh, and we rolled that out in actually of September of 2015. And one of the stocks that we, we suggested to buy for a longer term hold was Newmont. And I think we picked it up at maybe about $15 per, per you know, at the time. I think that was the price at the time. In back in April of 2022, Newmont rallied, and I had a minimum target of, for Newmont at about 82.83 from a long-term perspective. So when we hit 83.84 on Newmont, I told our subscribers that I'm basically selling almost all my holdings in Newmont, which was my largest holdings in the complex, individual holdings. And um, and you know, a number of them thought I was crazy at the time also, but as we know, I think Newmont hit a high of about 86 and then dropped down below 40. I think it spiked just a little bit below 40, which was which was our initial target. The problem I have with Newmont is that I'm not sure if Newmont is even going to make a higher high above that which was struck in April of 2022. So you know, Newmont could double from here. It could, but I, I think that there are much better opportunities than Newmont, and I think Newmont may hold GDX back a bit. So mm -hmm. when I'm looking at the mining complex as a whole, I really am saying, you know, I think you have to be careful about which stocks you're looking at in the mining in the mining world. Now, look, at the same time, if you buy Newmont at 43 and we do get up towards, you know, we approach even the prior highs, you're close to doubling your money. I mean, that's not so bad. You know, do that in a couple of years is not so bad. But I think there are better opportunities out there relative to Newmont. And do you look at the GDXJ as well, the juniors? I don't track the GDXJ as much. It's a little more wild. Um, mm -hmm. my, my analysts, like I said, I have analysts that, that cover uh, the entire mining stock world for metals in, in a service we do uh, as well. But uh, that that's not something I really focus upon. I really focus more so on the GDX itself. Gotcha. And anything to say about silver? Yeah, I love silver. <laughs> I, silver, I think, has potential. If we get the setup I want to see over the coming weeks, if not, it may take a little longer. But overall, I think silver could be setting up in a sim for a similar type of rally that we saw in 2010. And if you go back and you look at 2010 into 2011, you saw an almost parabolic silver rally. I think silver is is setting up for something similar. Again, if we don't get the setup I want to see, we may get another pullback in silver. But it'll, it'll just be a matter of time, I believe, before that setup actually develops and perfects. And then I think we have potential, not guaranteeing it, but I see the strong potential to get a similar type of rally that we saw in 2010. So I think silver can outperform most everything else in the complex.
Interesting. And, and do you pay attention to the silver miners? Yeah, we you know we cover all. Like I said, we in our in our mining service we cover the silver miners. But you know, mm-hmm. overall, I think the silver side of the market has strong potential to outperform the gold side of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, any other precious metals that you feel like are worth commenting on at this point? Effectively, you know, I have people that are looking at platinum and then copper and so on and so forth. But I don't personally track it myself, so I'm not going to speak to anything that I don't myself have personally strong knowledge of. Fair enough. I appreciate that. Um, let me just ask you this as, a, as an aside, I want to get into oil and commodities a- a- afterwards, but uh, no joke. Do you, how do you feel that you're influencing, affecting, changing how investors are looking at the market and analyzing it? I mean, you're really building like a whole nation of analysts subscribing and, and perpetuating this methodology. How have you seen it grow over the years and what do you feel like the influence is? Well, I'll tell you, Ralph Nelson Elliott came up with the methodology back in the 1930s. What, right. we, what we've done for the methodology in the last decade, a little more than decade, is we've added a new layer to the methodology that uh, provides more objective perspective. To, one of the problems that people had with, with Elliott Wave analysis is that they believed it was too subjective. So you could get 10 different analysts that are doing Elliott Wave analysis come up with 10 different perspectives. We've come up with something called Fibonacci pinball that frames the Elliott Wave analysis in a much more objective fashion. So not only do you get a lot more consistency, but you also get a lot more clarity. It gives us early warning when a, a, uh, a pattern may break, and it also keeps us very honest and being able to track the pattern as we move through its progression and keeps us you know, well within a, a lane to make sure everything is going well, and we get early warning if it's not. So that's what we've added in the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. But um, what, we've, what I've noticed most, when I first came on to, on to Seeking Alpha, uh, maybe about 13 years ago, uh, people would would just, uh, uh, I, I mean, if I say they made fun of me. Who's laughing now? Who's laughing <laughs> I, now? I, I probably would would not be far from, from the truth. Well, I, I was not very well accepted when I first started writing my articles on Seeking Alpha. And the funny thing was, the first major article I wrote on Seeking Alpha calling for a major market turn was actually the gold article calling for a major top in gold back in 2011. Um, you know, it, it's taken a long time, it's taken a number of years for people to really accept that what we're doing is something much more than voodoo, which is what a lot of people believe Elliott Wave analysis is. Unfortunately, there are a lot of ignorant people out there. Um, there are a lot of people that will try to use Elliott Wave analysis, but I, I call them wave slappers. They look at a chart and they place numbers and letters onto a chart because of how they have a bias, they believe that the chart is going to react, or it just that's how they think it looks best. There's a lot of work that comes into doing an accurate and appropriate Elliott Wave analysis, and there are very few people who purport to do Elliott Wave analysis that are actually going to do that type of detail work, come up with an accurate analysis. And that's what I think has given Elliott Wave its... its uh, a bad name throughout the generations that and people utilizing it um, to just confirm their own bias. They'll maintain a bias based upon uh, a fundamental perspective and they'll just throw out a chart based upon that bias. It's not how you do Elliott Wave properly. 
So over the years, I think more and more people have uh, have been um, more open to what we've been trying to teach, most specifically because of our accurate market calls through the years. We've called probably most of the major turns in all the markets we've tracked throughout the, the 12 years we've been open and doing business publicly. So we, we people recognize that we've had a really good track record. And you know, right now we have uh, approximately 8,000 subscribers between our two platforms. And what I'm even prouder to say is almost a thousand money manager clients. So at the end of the day, I think I think what we've been trying to teach has been getting out there more and more and more and more people are starting to open their eyes to the sentiment side of the market and recognizing that you can track the markets from a probabilistic perspective utilizing a mathematical uh, perspective. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, past performance and calling those tops does a lot to assuage investors' fears over the veracity of of what kind of analysis you're using. Um, So, you know, it's like in sports, if people question a coach or a certain kind of strategy, if they start winning, the questions all stop and it just turns to praise. So it's not surprising that it's turned, but it is definitely an interesting journey to watch. We've been at Seeking Alpha almost the same amount of time. Uh, so switching a bit to commodities, how what are you seeing in the commodities realm? Well, you know, specifically on oil, um, I, I'm, I'm looking for a major multi-year rally uh, to develop in the oil market. Uh, I'm not wholly convinced that the absolute bottom has been struck just yet. But uh, there are a number of oil equity stocks that have bottomed and a number of them that really suggest a lower low. But even if we do get a lower low in a number of them, I think the other ones that potentially already have bottom will just get a higher low. We call it a wave two retracement. You get a wave one off the low and then you get a wave two retracement and then that sets up your third wave higher. What's interesting about the commodities Whereas, you know, third waves are very strong, even in the commodities, commodities are known for their fifth waves. As strong as third waves are, their fifth waves are just sights to behold, massive moves. So, you know, I'm still, and what we're setting up is a fifth wave in a lot of these commodities. So I'm expecting a sizable rally over the coming years in the various commodities, especially in oil. But as it stands right now, I'm not wholly convinced that all the charts have bottomed. Let me ask you this. Is there anything coming at you on the charts that you're surprised is happening? The one thing that surprised me right now is how long uh, the bond market has been consolidated. I, I was not expecting this long of a consolidation, but I am expecting uh, a bond rally. But I, I'm not sure if your question really had to do just in commodities. But that right now is probably the one. Chart. No, yeah. In general, in the market, yeah, the, the the bond market, the, the consolidation, the, the the length of this consolidation that we've seen in the bond market, um, I did not expect it to last this long, but I am still expecting another rally to be taking hold pretty soon in in, in the bond market. We're actually tracking a setup right now that uh, could confirm a uh, a nice size rally to be seen over the coming year in the bond market. How do you look at or what's the correlation in your eyes between the bond market and the stock market? 
I, I, you know, this is something I actually wrote in an article about that came out this morning. Um, the issue I have with the term correlation is that it, it's, it, it almost takes a more superficial view of the market. You look at one chart, it's moving this way. You look at another chart, you move, it's moving in the same way. So people assume there's some type of correlation there. When you take the charts apart and you look at them individually, what you do is you look at the, where they are within their own structure and within their own trend. And yes, there are times that charts are going to be seemingly correlated, but all they're doing is trading within their own specific patterns for a period of time. I remember, and I wrote about this in the article back, this was probably the most glaring point. Back in 2016, I wrote a very, very detailed update to our members about all the different seeming correlations that people have been following in the market at that point. And I said, based upon a number of these charts, a lot of these correlations are about to break down. In early 2017, one of our, and then we saw it happening, you know, as we went through 2016 and early 2017, one of my, uh, one of my uh, money manager clients sent me an article from Morgan Stanley that, that uh, it was like January of 2017 that said, we haven't seen a breakdown of these type of correlations in decades. So, you know, when you're able to take apart the chart and understand each chart on its own, not only do you not have a need for correlations, but you can even determine when those seeming correlations are going to break down. So it, I, I do not look at one chart to identify a move for another chart. I'd rather be analyzing each specific chart on its own and, and asking, what is this specific chart telling me on its own? Not, I don't take into account any other charts as well. I look at each individual chart on their own and I analyze it as such. I don't try to take cross analysis. I've seen too many people get hurt doing that. Mm hmm. I'm curious. You said that you don't pay attention to the macro. You know, the, the the macro picture doesn't affect your investing strategy. Do you dip into at all, even if it's for your own kind of personal edification? Do you ever dip into fundamental analysis, either on the stocks or the markets? Absolutely. Okay. Um, when we deal with sentiment, it really has to be uh, what we look at is mass sentiment. So when you're dealing with you know, the mega caps, when you're dealing with the overall market, the SPX, the NASDAQ, what have you, when you're dealing with the larger markets, sentiment is what is most important in being able to determine where that market is going and where the turns can potentially occur. If you look at the opposite end of that spectrum, and I always use the example of a micro cap biotech company with one product that has no mass sentiment attached to it you need to know the fundamentals of that product and of that company in order to invest in that stock and then everything else lies in between that continuum so of course the closer you get toward on that continuum towards that micro cap stock the more fundamentals are going to matter the closer you get to you know, the mega caps and the larger markets and, and, and how the markets move, the less fundamentals are going to matter. So I look at it as a very large continuum. 
Very good. Um, Avi, if you have anything to leave our audience with, happy for you to share it. But I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Look forward to the next time. And uh, thanks for sharing so much insight with our investing experts audience, with our Seeking Alpha audience. Thanks for sharing so much knowledge always. My pleasure. But there is one more thing that I do want to warn Please. people about. Please. Um, the banking industry is something that people are now probably very, very comfortable about. And I think that is a very big mistake. And I'm not just talking about it from a uh, from an investing standpoint. I'm not even I, I will not invest in banks at this point in my career. I'm talking about it as a place to house your money. And even then, I view that as a very, very, very risky potential as we look towards the next decade. What we've seen to date, in fact, right before, you know, two years ago, actually three years ago, um, I started preparing our subscribers for what I thought was going to be. I said, look, in a couple of years from now, we're probably going to hit a very major top in the market and start a large bear market. So they asked me, well, how do we prepare? And I said to them, one of the things you need to do is find yourself a safe bank to house your money, even several safe banks so you can diversify where your money's being held just in case. And we started looking at that years ago. Two and a half years ago, I hired a banking analyst to roll out a service to identify what we viewed as the top 15 banks in the country. And we're starting to look at Canada and, and Europe, and we're rolling out what we view as some of the strongest banks there. We started doing this two years ago because we foresaw this coming. When right before SVB went under, Two weeks before SVB went under, we wrote an article warning people who were willing to listen that the reason, that, one of the reasons that SVB went under was exactly what we were calling for. And is only one of the issues that we foresee as major issues to the bank. It's only one of the issues. So if people are getting very, very calm and, 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 and feeling good about the banking system, I, I want them to be very, very careful about how comfortable they're going to get and to be very careful about where they house their hard-earned money. Because what we saw recently really was only the tip of the iceberg. There are a number of reasons and uh, the, the reasons will differ based upon the geographics. But, oh, and especially Canada, Canada, to give you, to, People, when we went through the 2007 to 2009 banking crisis, the financial crisis in the U.S., the Canadian banks came through that really strong. They were great. Problem is, you know, people assume that the Canadian banks are just as strong today, and there's nothing further from the truth. We've only found one of the top five or six banks in Canada that are even worth putting your money in. So, you know... There, there, there are various reasons, and if we, we've written public articles about this on Seeking Alpha that people can go read, um, and we've outlined the reasons. We've looked at some of the biggest banks in the United States, and we've highlighted the major issues we see. So people can go read that, but I would not become complacent about where you have your money. I think people should be looking to where they should be housing their money in a more stable bank today rather than wait to when the next phase of the crisis actually hits. So many disruptions coming our way, huh? It seems that's what the charts are telling me. And I'll even go mm -hmm. so bold as saying that I think Citibank and Capital One may be the first banks that get knocked out. Dup, 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 dup. Wow. And that's all based on the charts. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the charts told me that those banks look sick. And then we looked at the fundamentals and mm -hmm. did a deep dive on their fundamentals. And that confirmed it. Mm -hmm. And what's your timeline there in terms of sick and getting sicker? Like I said, I am an analyst. Yeah. I'm not a prophet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I could tell you that, um, you know, over, over the next five years, we should start seeing some really big issues in the big banks. And uh, whether Capital One or Citibank may go under during that five years, I'm not sure. But I would say over the next decade, you're probably going to see a very different banking industry than you see today. Let me ask you this. Would there be something that could save them at this point? Uh, for example, Citibank Capital One, to me, looked too sick. I, 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 I don't believe I don't believe so. I can always be wrong about that, but I don't believe so. They, mm -hmm. To me, they just look way too sick. Okay, something to keep our eyes on. Avi, more food for thought. I appreciate it, as always. Thank you so much for having me, Rena. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app, and we'll see you soon with a new episode.